All right, so with that, we're going to jump in uh, to the sermon. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, I invite you to do so. And um, I'm going to read from Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, and then verse 33 and 34, and then we're going to read about Samuel from 1 Samuel 3. Hebrews 11, verse 1 reads, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And then drop down to verse 33. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. And if you turn back to the Old Testament, to 1 Samuel 3, I'm going to read the first 10 verses there. 1 Samuel 3, starting at verse 1, reads, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. The visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not know, yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here together. And thank you for the students who are here in the in attendance in the main service, Lord. And Lord, we're just thankful for um, a community of believers to come together and worship you. And thank you that we're just one small part of your kingdom, Lord. And thank you for your word. And thank you for your spirit. Thank you for who you are and for your love for us. Lord, will you prepare our hearts to receive your word by your spirit? Whatever you want me to say, I say whatever you don't. don't, And we'll be careful to give you glory. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. So quickly, I realize I didn't thank you for praying for me. I was overwhelmed, so I didn't want to cry. But thank you very much. I do feel loved and appreciated. And I know Natalie and the kids do as well. So thank you. Thank you guys for praying. And I I, I will ask, pray for me every day. Please do. And I will pray for you. And I do. So I realized that as I was praying. Hey. Anyways, you know me, I'm awkward. So there you go. All right, so we're going to start, jump right in. So obviously, uh, we're continuing on in our series. If you're new, we're in a series looking at the heroes of faith. 
I labeled them the good, the bad, and the ugly, and what we're doing is looking at the good that they did, the bad that they did, and the ugly that happened to them. And ultimately, ultimately, hopefully, we're seeing that God is always good, and that he's the author of good. And we're looking at what faith looks like, and I think sometimes... At least it's easy to fall into a trap, regardless of how long you've been walking with the Lord. That faith always needs to be going in an upward trajectory towards Christ. That's ideal. But if you look at my faith journey, and I would imagine if I look at your faith journey, it's more like this. Like this. And it's not because God is like this. It's because we are. And, and really my heart behind this was, was considering, you know, God uses us despite us. And he's faithful consistently. And as we've walked through these last several weeks, and now we're in several months of looking at heroes of the faith, I, I find that, that if I could just encapsulate what was taking place, Samuel would be the guy. Um, we're not going to have the time to look at his entire life. You can go ahead and read the rest of First Samuel going into Second Samuel about his life and all that he did. If you remember, he's the one who anointed King David, and we talked about King David, and before that he anointed um, Saul. And what we see here is, is this young boy being called by God unto himself. So just let me just crash course real quick what's taking place. Samuel is about 13 years old. Josephus, a historian, says he's 12 just based on the language, but... I don't know. He's a young teen or preteen, and he's 13 years old when God is calling him. See, he had spent roughly eight to nine years in the temple being Eli's assistant. You see, his mother, Hannah, was not able to have children for a very long time. And uh, she was getting sad, and you can go back and you can read uh, Hannah's prayer about what she's praying to the Lord. She does ask for a child, but mostly she's asking for a heart for God. And God blesses her. And she has a child. And when she has a child, she tells her husband, she tells the family, I'm going to, as I promised, dedicate this child to the Lord. And at first glance, it sounds like, yeah, those of us who are believers in Christ, we do dedicate our children. I mean, we have the dedication service. We dedicate our children unto the Lord. We pray for them. Um, when we dedicate here at Renew, what we're saying is as parents... We are saying that we are going to raise children up uh, in the Lord. We're also saying as a community, we're going to encourage the parents. We're not going to leave them alone. When something happens, we're going to come alongside them. Hannah took it to a whole new level. When, when Samuel was about three years old, after he was weaned off, is what the Old Testament calls it, she dropped off Samuel to the high priest Eli and said, here, essentially a Nazarite vow. Now, don't get any ideas. You don't need to drop off your children at my house if they're being bad, okay? But I'm just, I mean, you can come over. But she totally, completely committed her son to the Lord. So much so, she surrendered him to serve the Lord at a young age. And then here we are. I know we have students here in the service today, so I think it's important first to talk to the students here. Regardless of your age of your student, I, I just one thing I hope you notice, even reading through the scripture, that regardless of your age, God calls you. He's calling you onto himself first, always to salvation, always to repent of sin and come to him, confess that Jesus is Lord. Well, that's for all of us. But also, if, if you're a young person, a student in here, 
and I'm even thinking of my own children, God, God uses you right now, not when you're older. He uses you right now. And for you older people, and I'm not going to give you an age, if you don't think you're a student, you know it's the same for you. I will suggest, however, that it's the same thing if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, today is the day. And second, if God is calling you to serve him in some way, he's faithful to continue to call him. And just knowing humans, knowing myself, knowing that I ran away from my calling as a pastor for the first few years of my adult life, God is faithful to continue to call. And I know that sometimes some of you, perhaps, if you were like me, we think, oh, well, not yet, Lord. Or you got the wrong guy. Or this is too hard. But this morning, I just, I really want to point out that as God is calling you, surrender that call. Surrender to his call to you. And also for everyone, just in general, I would suggest up front that the Lord, again, may have been calling you to serve him in some way. But you're saying, well, no, not yet. But we'll get to that in a moment. So again, as I had mentioned that Hannah had been praying for this child, Samuel. She didn't know he was Samuel yet praying. And she comes to a point where it appears that she just thinks, okay, I'm not going to have a child. And then one time she's in the temple during the sacrifice. She makes a sacrifice, but she lingers a little bit longer and she starts to pray by herself. And Eli, the high priest, sees her just kind of bent over, praying, mumbling to herself. So, of course, like any good pastor, he assumes she's drunk. I mean, you can read it. It's in the scripture. I'm just kidding. I mean, it's in the scripture. I'm not assuming anyone's drunk in here. So he comes to, to her and says, hey, are, it's too early in the morning to drink. And she goes, oh, no, I'm praying. And she shares what's going on. And then just quickly, First Samuel or excuse me, she has a child. She comes and dedicates. She's so excited. She comes back to Eli, 1 Samuel 1, 26 to 28. This is what she says in verse 26. Sir, do you remember me, the drunkard? No, she doesn't say that. She says, sir, to Eli, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. So she was, she was faithful, she was true to that, and she dedicated Samuel. So Samuel's now working many years, so now that's where the story picks up. I just briefly just want to mention, I know that some of you, if not you directly, know someone who is... Um, desiring to be a mom and a dad, but are unable to conceive a child. And uh, I will be praying for that at the end. But I also want to encourage you too that um, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. He's faithful. I'm not saying he's just going to give you a child. Perhaps maybe it might be through adoption. What a wonderful gift that is. But continue to seek the Lord. So with that, 1 Samuel 3, back to the story. It says what we have read. Meanwhile, the boy, the boy in Hebrew is just a young person, a young kid. He's under the age of 15. He's not at the age of becoming a man. So that's why the boy, it says boy Samuel had served the Lord by assisting Eli. And then here's an interesting comment here. Now in those days... Messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. 
So we've gone from, if you're looking at this in chronological order, we've gone from all of the judges. We talked about a few of them, Samson being one of them. Uh, there was a several times where the Lord was speaking directly to people and leading them out of all different kinds of captivity. But now it's slowing down. And I would suggest it's not because the Lord stopped speaking. It's because people stopped listening. And I've noticed that that has been my experience and the experience of people. We just get so busy that we just assume it's God's fault when we don't hear from him. Thankfully, we live in an age where we have the Holy Spirit in us and we have his word. So there really is no excuse. But sometimes we just want a sign from the Lord. Don't you? I pray for that. I pray, God, you know what would be really neat is if you talk to me in James Earl Jones' voice. Like I've literally said that to him. Still waiting. He hasn't. But really what this introduction is saying is that those days, there were, the Lord was speaking, but it was so rare, there was no vision, and yet there was a high priest. And we're just about transitioning from away from judges into having kings, which was not what God desired for the people. But they're moving away. And it's a time when people did not hear from the Lord. And again, it's not necessarily because God wasn't speaking, but the people were moving away from God and they stopped listening and they're, again, transitioning to having a king. So verse 2 picks up and it says, One night Eli, who was almost blind. It's interesting. In the Hebrew it says almost blind. It's the same word as like the darkness that comes in, like a spiritual darkness. He is physically blind. He's somewhere in his late 80s, I believe, at this time. Um, he is starting to lose his eyesight. But I did find it interesting that it's both spiritually and physically blind by now. But now he's gone to bed. In verse 3, it says, The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And this is talking about the menorah. And the menorah, if you remember, is the seven candles on, on the menorah. And it burns bright. And God had established that way back in Exodus. And really, it's a representation. They would light it every, right before the sun would go completely down. The high priest would go and light these candles with the fresh oil and they had measured out just enough oil that the, the last flickering, the center one would go out right as the sun was coming up. Jewish tradition says that that middle lamp never went out. It was miraculously burning until the temple was destroyed. Maybe, I don't know. But, but really what God was establishing here is that I will be the light during the night and you do not have to worry. It's the same thing as the, similar to the light, the pillar of fire at night during the Exodus. And ultimately when Jesus comes, John 8, 12, Jesus, when he's debating the other Jews, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. So the menorah is actually pointing to Christ. So all that is saying, this is just the way that the author is giving us a time frame. It's in the middle of the night. It hasn't gone out yet. The suggestion is it's about to, so think 3.30 in the morning, if you will. And Samuel is sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Now, there's some debate whether or not that was acceptable or not. Were you allowed to sleep next to the ark of the covenant? Probably not. But th at this point, Eli is, is I think... He just wants to be close to the Lord, and it doesn't matter. We'll see in a moment that he's made some mistakes in his life, but he's just sleeping close to the tabernacle. And then, of course, in verse 4, it says, Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Samuel wakes up. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Now, 
Of course he thinks this. Uh, Eli's an older age of, of late 80s. He's not seeing. It's probably not the first time that Samuel had to wake up and get to help him get a drink of water, use the restroom, whatever it is. So it's just his assumption. All right, I'm there. I'd... And then he gets to, to Eli. I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again. Samuel, again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. It's interesting. In verse 6, that it says, then the Lord called out again. And, and that reference is, if you picture in your mind the word picture, Hebrew is, is, does a great job of, of being a, not just a meaning, but a word picture. We described that a lot in, when we did our Psalm 23 series. But again, it, it's almost like the picture, at least, that the, the rabbis give is whenever you're trying to wake up a kid and they won't get out of bed. And you shake them a little bit and then you pull off their covers and then you dump water. And I don't know if any of you have done that. It's fun. No, I'm just kidding. Kind of. But, you know, it's that, that, that gentleness, though, that, that, again, I'm calling to wake you up. Not whenever you call your kid and it's, they're 15 minutes late and you're shaking them. We're going to leave. It's just more, again, like the, it, it's that sincere that I'm going to wait for you. That God is calling. So then verse 7, Samuel did not yet, or excuse me, verse 6, going back, uh, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. It's the same reference that Isaiah says. Here I am, send me. He said, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Go back to bed. And verse 7 is very interesting. I just want to talk about that for a moment. It says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Isn't that interesting that that's the case? He worked in the church just about his whole life. The temple, he worked with the high priest his whole life. And yet he did not yet know the Lord. He did not have this intimate relationship with God yet. First of all, just to point out, you, you can serve the Lord. You can go to church. You can do things for God and yet not know him. You can, you can be in the presence of other Christians. You can... You can sing the songs, you can put Caleb on the radio, but yet not know him. That, know, that not yet know him is salvation. It's talking about drawing in. So I find it very interesting that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And this has two meanings. One, don't, don't fool, it's important not to fool ourselves. Church attendance, doing things for the Lord is not what saves us. What saves us is Christ and Christ alone. The second one is that this shows that God calls Samuel. He's calling each and every one of us. He's calling on to us. And we don't know him. You know, First John, we love him because he first loves us. He's calling us yet again. And also, thinking about the speaking and calling, when, when speaking to us, God almost always confirms his word again and again to us. It is not a gen, it's not generally wrong to do, it's generally wrong to do something dramatic. Oh, I think I heard something. I'm going to go run and do it. Uh, I feel like I'm called to go be a missionary out in the middle of somewhere. I've not confirmed, I'm just going to go do it. So generally speaking, 
that as God is calling us, he, he confirms to us what he's calling us to do. See, God is very patient with us. I think we get ourselves in trouble for two ways. One, if we overreact, oh, I got to do it right now. That tends to be, I'm trying to make up for lost time for God. And the other one is like, ah, not yet, like delayed obedience. So if God speaks, he will confirm and often in a variety of ways. Through his word, through your quiet time, through other people, have other people praying for you. See, and, and, and this is also a reminder, this is not a one and done deal. You notice we did, as we were reading, it doesn't say God called Samuel. He got up and ran to Eli. God threw up his hands and said, well, he's not obedient. Sorry, you got your one chance and you missed it. Now, perhaps you have missed an opportunity here in the moment. Maybe there was a, just an opportunity you felt God pressing you. I, I, I'm hearing from, from a lot of you about the different ways that you just feel God's tugging. A lot of you just, you know, it's a pulling on the heart. It's a, uh, you should go do that. You drive by someone. I had lunch last week with some friends, and he told a story of, of him making all kinds of excuses why he didn't stop for uh, someone. He had an extra food, a to-go bag. He was excited to eat it for lunch. And then he drove by someone who was homeless, and God said, go drop it off. And, ah, no, it's, you know, I mean, it's a one-way street, and there's, you know, rain. I'm making it sound worse than it is, but come on. So sometimes we miss those opportunities. And, and this friend, he did circle back. He found a way to come back. But mostly, when, when God calls, he's, he's first again calling us to salvation. He's calling us to believe in his son as Savior. And then he calls each and every one of us to obedience of life, which is whatever it is he has called you to do to serve him in some capacity. See, what, what Samuel was thinking is what God wants me to do is be Eli's assistant. And what we see here is God was actually calling him to be the last judge, the first prophet to anoint the first king. Now, you may be sitting in here and thinking, well, I'm not going to be a prophet and I'm not going to anoint no king. But yet, as I was saying here, it's, it's he's calling, God is calling each and every one of us to serve him in some way, just simply out of obedience. So for the student in here, it might be the first time that you've, you've heard the call from, from God. Maybe you accepted him as Lord and Savior. Maybe you've got baptized. Maybe you've been going to church for a little while. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian home. Um, various Christian activities. Yet, God's calling you to something unto himself. And, and don't worry. That doesn't mean he's going to call you to be a pastor. Doesn't mean he's going to call you to be a missionary. Maybe. Maybe. Be, be a pastor. It's fun. Um, but he is calling you to serve in some capacity. He's equipped each and every one of us with gifts and abilities to serve him. And one of the saddest things to see is someone who is gifted in various ways but doesn't believe that God can use you. He can and he will. It's, a, it's an act of obedience. It's an act of pushing away pride. What if, and you fill in the blanks. Now again, I, I know some of you are like, yeah, that's great. For you, but I never want to be up in front of people. Good, don't. Maybe that's not what he's calling you to do. Maybe simply serve someone and have them never know it. And that's just not for the student. But also, I, I, I'm thinking 
that the Lord has been calling some, some of you into service of him a long time ago. And you just think, oh, no, not yet. When I fill in the blank. When I graduate high school, when I graduate college, when I get married, after I have kids, after the kids go to college, after the kids get married, after I retire, you know what, God, the best time for me to serve you is when I'm dead. I mean, that's essentially what you're, you're, you're saying. You make all these reasons. And one of the things that I noticed too, yes, Samuel was, was coming to Eli because he thought it was Eli. Totally acceptable. That totally makes sense. He had been helping him. But I think also that it's easy for us to go to our Elis in life, the people that we admire, the people that we look up to, and hoping that they will take the step of faith for us. I know that's been my example one of the pastors that I most admire that walked me through my senior year for Bible college, uh, Pastor Bruce. This, this guy was a cowboy. Dallas Cowboys? No? Okay. All right. Never mind then. Uh, yeah, go Niners. Okay. But he, I mean, he was just like a man's man and a pastor. And he walked around like a cowboy. Too. I mean, he was so cool. And he was so good. And he's so gifted at teaching. And he's so gifted at confrontation. Not because he liked it, but just because he saw the heart of it. And he was also a campus pastor. And he did all these cool things. And he had a great mustache. And it was so great. And I just really looked up to him because he just had a way to talk to you that made you feel like you were the only person in the room. You know those people? So anytime there was something difficult, I would call him up, or I, I first would text him, and he said, don't text me, call me, boy. Yeah, yes, sir. All right, so I call him, and I said, well, what do you think about this, or how should I do this? And this was early on in the ministry. How did, how, this situation between this and that, and he, he was so gracious, and then at one point, he said, well, what do you think? I don't know. That's why I called you. He said, well, I want you to pray about it. Okay, I pray about it. I remember specifically, there's one, there was this, this conflict that between people and I wasn't sure what to do and then I called him back and he said well did you pray I said yeah the Lord said ask you again he said you're lying he said you know what I, I have a lot of answers but I want to hear from you because I want to know that I want you to know you can hear from God too but I wanted my Eli I just wanted to run to him here I am what do you need me to do tell me what to do but each and every one of us, and I'm not saying not, I still talk to them. Um, I found that I talk to him now more as a friend than a mentor, even though I completely respect him. I realize he's, he's always respected me as a pastor. So that, that's the kind of, the, this transition away is, is sometimes I think it's real easy for us to run to the Eli's, to our spiritual leader, to the pastor, to an elder, to our life group leader, to whatever. God can use you and he can speak to you too. And I'm not saying don't, don't ask people for help or anything like that. I'm just saying I think for some of us in here we were called to something but we're waiting on our Eli's. Don't do that. Trust that God can use you. And then for those of you who are Eli's in, in here, talk, talk to your Samuels in this way. Go listen to the Lord. See, again, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Samuel was godly and obedient boy, serving God wonderfully, yet he had not given his heart over to the Lord. 
He's, again, and he's just trying to work this out. God hadn't revealed himself to him. And yet, Samuel was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was trying to be obedient. And this transfer of obedience to people, to God, is taking place here. So we'll pick it up in verse 8 again. So the Lord called the third time. The patience of the Lord is wonderful. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. It was in that moment that Eli was like, oh, yes. I remember how the Lord calls. And, and quickly, I just want to point out the instructions that he, he tells Eli to do. I think it's, it, it's very helpful for us. Look at verse 9. So he said to Samuel, he being Eli, go lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. There's a lot of wisdom in that instruction. I just, just, just the four things that, that Eli told Samuel. I took the combination between Stott and others to think this through. But the first thing that Eli tells Samuel to do, which I think is a good note for us, he says, go lie down. Essentially what he's telling him, go make yourself available for God to speak. He didn't say, go run around, go get busy. He said, go back and lie down. So the first thing is, as you're working through God speaking to you, make yourself available to God to speak. So be in his word, be prayed up, ask him to speak. But make yourself available. And I would add a little caveat. And don't give a time limit necessarily. The tendency is like, all right, God, you have seven minutes, go. <laughs> the second thing is, you notice what Eli tells him. He says, go lie down again. And if someone calls again, and if not to be presumptuous about God speaking, if he calls you, so be patient. So make yourself available and don't assume that God is going to speak when you expect him to, if he calls you. And then the third thing that Stott mentioned is respond to the word of God. Speak, Lord. This is what, this is what Eli told him to do. Say this, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Respond to the word of God. That means when, when, when you're reading the Bible, when, you, when you're praying through, and as you are hearing from the Lord, and I'm not talking about an audible voice, it can happen, I'm just talking about as the Lord speaks to you, respond. Before you read, ask, Lord, will you speak to me through your word? In this time of prayer, in this time of worship by music, will you speak? And then finally he says, and say, your servant hears, or your servant is listening. The last one is, he told him to humble himself before God and his word. Your servant hears or your servant speaks. We must hear from God. The preacher may speak or our parents may speak. Our friends may tell us something or teachers, radio, televisions, podcasts, etc. And that's all good. But the voice, those voices mean nothing for eternity, unless God speaks through them. 
So filter that through as God's speaking. I find it interesting that Samuel or Samuel sounds like the Hebrew word for hear, hear of God or heard of God, listening to God. And it's interesting because Samuel and the word means speak, Lord, your servant is listening, that word listening. Essentially what Samuel was saying there in verse 9. So he said to Samuel, go lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, Lord, speak, your servant is Samueling. Which means I am listening to obey. I'm not hearing to gather information. I'm not listening to determine if I will follow through. I am listening to obey. You know, whenever you're in a, a lovely conversation with your spouse and you listen to them only to argue with them, only to point out the wrong, or you have a friend, or if you have a kid that you could tell they're only listening because you taught them not to talk over you, but they've checked out. What he's saying here is, is I am Samueling. I am listening. I am, I'm hearing you, God, so I can be obedient. Essentially, what Eli tells Samuel is, you determine before you hear from God to be obedient. Don't decide to be obedient after you filtered through what God said. I'll take this. I won't take that. I'll take this. I won't take that. It's very important before, as you're reading, as you're praying, is, all right, Lord, whatever truth you reveal to me, will you give me the courage and boldness to follow through with it 100%? Not asking, God, will you, will you tell me something so I can pick through it and just pick out the juicy parts? And then in verse 10, the Lord is so patient and so faithful. He says, and the Lord came and called before Samuel, Samuel. Again, remember, anytime God or Jesus repeats someone's name, it's not because they're in trouble, but it's so much passion. It's such a sincerity, sincerity that's overwhelming. And then Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Did he do what Eli told him to do? No, kind of, sort of. Let's just quickly look. Eli told him to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And Samuel says, speak, your servant is listening. Now we can beat him up, but I think, I think that's in here. I, I, I believe that's exactly what happened. There was some criticism from, it's interesting, just a side note. Depending on what um, century I read a commentary from, was direct proportion in the way that they viewed Samuel's response. So if it was in like the Middle Ages during great battles, it was he didn't listen. But if it was in a peaceful time, it was like, oh, he's a good little boy and he tried so hard. It's interesting that our, our, our current circumstances even kind of sways us to the way that we reveal it. But anyways, I guess I'm in a peaceful moment. So I'm thinking he was so excited that God spoke again. And I read it as, speak, your servant is listening. Yay, you came back. At least that's how I read it. And he didn't say, Lord. See, the Lord is, speak, Lord, I'm listening. Remember, I'm listening to be obedient. I'm, I'm listening. And, and, and really at the heart of it, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be sincere. The, the obedience of God, yes, we should hit the mark every time. That's the expectation. We can't. We're sinners. But yet, sometimes the fact that we know that it won't be perfect doesn't mean it's 
not sincere. I was thinking about this too. I, I, I was reading an article about um, marathon runners because I'm weird. But um, it's interesting that it said the amount of people who, who sign up for a marathon in the world is like 2 million people. And then the article went on, it was from Runner's World, and the article went on and it said, but realistically, there's only about 15 people who can actually win this thing, win the marathon. And then it went on and said, well, lately, the top five have been winning everything. But you know what? If, if I say, all right, guys, we're all going to run the marathon. Well, most of you, I can't. All right, loser. Right? But if I think, all right, we're going to go run the marathon. We're all going to do this together. Some of us may have a difficult time thinking, well, I'm not going to win the marathon. Why should I do this? It's not the point. The point is, let's all do this together. Let's go be obedient. This doesn't have to be perfect. This has to, but let's be sincere in our training. Let's be sincere in going after the Lord. And it's interesting because if you're expecting that it has to be right or perfect, then you won't go anywhere. Then you won't do it. But also on the opposite end, if you are not sincere and you just throw it together and you show up on the day of the race and like, I'm just going to walk. Well, that's not sincere either. So really what it is is this, this heart of the Lord is calling Samuel onto himself for obedience and Samuel, again, remember 13 years old saying, all right, I'm listening. And interesting enough, what God tells Samuel is some very, very tough news. So when we do this story in the kid's side, we stop here and we say, yay, even God can talk to a child. And we tell the kids, all right, go home and you listen for the Lord. He'll speak to you. All good stuff. What we sometimes forget, which I think is very important, is sometimes what the Lord says is hard stuff. But remember, Samuel, what Eli told him, listen to be obedient, not to pick it apart. So let's pick up what God actually tells him. In verse 11, then the Lord said to Samuel, okay, remember, he said, okay, listen, or speak, Lord, I'm, or he doesn't say Lord, speak, your servant is listening. Verse 11, then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel, or the New King James says, a ringing in the ears. It means like, oh, no way. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from the beginning to end. See that? The guy that you are looking up to, I'm about to do some stuff. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Oh, so the first vision, the first words that young Samuel hears is your hero I'm about to deal with. It's a good thing Samuel said, I'm going to be obedient regardless of what you said, or I wouldn't say this. So here's the thing. You may be thinking, you may be familiar to this story. Just, just quickly, what, what's, what's going on is uh, Eli is a high priest. He's a wonderful priest. He does wonderful things. He's a good judge. He's a caring man. He's, a, he's all those things. He is a lousy father. 
His two boys grow up. He makes them priests. It's not nepotism or anything like that. That's the way that the God had laid it out, that the priest's sons, the sons of Aaron all the way down. But his sons are just awful. They, they're stealing the sacrifices. They're sleeping with people. They're just doing bad stuff. So just quickly, just so you could see it, 1 Samuel 2, 29 and 30. First uh, Samuel 2, 29 through 30. So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings is what God's saying. Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? Ooh. For you have, for you and they have become fat from the best offerings of the people of Israel. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel says, I promise that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priest, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. And I know that's just a cliff note. So God sent an unknown prophet many years before this to say, hey, you need to talk to your sons. Eli does talk to his sons. He says, why are you guys doing that? Stop it. But he doesn't do anything. As the high priest, he should have kicked them out. But they're my sons. But it, it's interesting what God says to him specifically. Why, in, in verse 29, the halfway through 29, why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? That, that, that is something that I think each and every one of us has to fight, that we give honor to people, more honor to people than we do to God. So this is the word that that Samuel gets. Remember, he's so excited. I can just imagine, he's like, oh, seriously? Couldn't you have just told me everything was going to be great and that you love everybody? So he gets up the next morning, going back to 1 Samuel 3, verse 15. Samuel stayed in bed until morning. Then he got up and opened the doors to the tabernacle as usual. That was his job. He's opening up so people can come in, make their sacrifices. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. Yep, me too. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son. Samuel said, Samuel's not here. <laughs> no. He says, here I am. The same words that he told God, the same words, here I am. I'm going to be obedient. Verse 17, what did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything. And may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told Eli, everything. He didn't hold back. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks is best. See, I think when Eli got up in the morning, he knew. He knew. And Eli was so gracious. What did the Lord tell me everything? And I even looked it up to see if there was any kind of anger or any kind of thing, any kind of resentment. In the Hebrew text, it was just very clear. It's a neutral. He just said, just tell me everything. The only time he gets excited, if you will, is uh, even kill you if you hide anything from me. So just nerdy Hebrew stuff. When you see an exclamation mark in our English Bibles, there's a, there's a connecting for emphasis of high emotion. Shocker, right? But you have to put that, that whole phrase. So he's saying, for your sake, don't hide anything from me. 
because he knows deep down inside he has hid what he was supposed to do from his sons. So Samuel told him everything. And the reason he was able to tell him everything, I can't get this enough, is he had decided before he heard the news he was going to be obedient. So as we, as we close here to worship a couple more songs, worship the Lord with a couple more songs, first of all, the Lord is calling you unto himself to repentance of sin through his son, Jesus Christ. So perhaps some of you, someone in here may have heard of Jesus, have been told that they're a sinner in need of being saved. They can't save themselves. First, God always calls his people, all of us, to him to have a right relationship through his son. Or maybe he is calling you to service or to be obedient, to do something, to serve him, not for salvation, but just because out of the abundance of love, all you can do is, what do you want me to do? How can I serve your people, God? Maybe someone in here has been called to do something and you've been avoiding it. You've been going back to that Eli, like I was going back to Pastor Bruce. I don't really want to do this. You're avoiding it. You're making every excuse under the sun why you can't do it. But regardless of where you're at, the time is now to be faithful. Just like the word Samuel means, to listen in obedience. That's what God's calling us to do. So as we sing a couple more songs, just consider that, Lord, you're calling me. Will you help me be in a position to be obedient? So make yourself, again, just quickly, make yourself available to hear from God. Don't presume he's going to speak under your conditions. Respond to the word of God and humble yourself before his word. Be obedient. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time and for your word and for your love and Lord, thank you for your patience as we have seen that as you've called Samuel, it took a few times for him to get it, Lord. And Lord, it takes us so many more times for some of us to to hear you. Thank you for um, your patience, Lord. And yet we do know that there will be a time when when, um, we're no longer here on earth, where, where we pass away and we have to give an account and we will be judged and then it would be too late Lord but as we have breath in our lungs Lord let us be obedient now Lord let us come to you will you speak and let us listen let us be in a position to listen to obey and not to gather information to determine Lord Lord let us let us say speak Lord your sermon is listening Lord, thank you for the opportunity just to be here and hear from you, Lord. And we help those of us who have a hard time doing something because we want it to be perfect, Lord. Just right. And Lord, for those of us who just do it just to get it done, Lord, will you let us be sincere in that? Lord, I'm reminded of what this whole series is about from Hebrews 11, that you that you tell us that faith is, shows the reality of what we hope for and that we hope in a person. At the end of all this, there is you. So Lord, as we sing some more songs to you, will you speak and allow us to listen? We just love you and thank you. In Christ's name, amen.